It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Rams Nation, this is Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. All right, guys, it's the Wednesday edition of Locked On Rams, and we got a really great episode. I'll kick pretty much right into it. We have Locked On Texans with us tonight. That's right, Robert Land and Brian Patterson of Locked On Texans. We jumped on the phone earlier today. We had a quick chat about uh, the game, about each other's teams, where we're at. Uh, it was a really good conversation, so I hope you guys enjoy this. It's a little bit long of an interview, so I'm going to jump right into it. So take a listen. This is my conversation with Robert Land and Brian Patterson of Locked On Texans. Welcome to a Locked On crossover. I'm Robert Land with Locked On Texans along with Brian Patterson. Some of you guys know us. Some of you may not. With us is Bear Motter, who is the host of Locked On Rams. Hello to everybody with uh, the Locked On Rams podcast, all you listeners out there with that. Uh, great to talk to everybody and we're just going to go behind enemy lines a little bit, talking about what's going to happen this Sunday against uh, or between these two teams. And uh, Bear, let me just start off by asking you, uh, how do you do this? How do you just walk into a great quarterback and a great offense with the, with the Rams here? This is pretty cool. You realize this doesn't happen a whole lot. We've waited so long for something like this. Yeah, and you said it right there. I mean, walking into it, you know, some around here would say, uh, you know, if you ask that same question, you know, maybe six months ago, you'd get a different answer from a lot of people because everyone out here in L.A. had a lot of question marks as Wentz last year kind of got a lot of playing time and started to develop. And you saw that skill set that he had. And it's not until this year that people are starting to rebuy back into Jared Goff. And I'm going to be the first one to jump back on board and say, you know, we just wanted to see him get an offensive mind behind him to work with him because Jeff Fisher was so worried about running a trick play and setting up the defense that he never really had time to develop golf. So we finally got the right pieces. You move up and get that number one pick, and now we support him with making the big trade for Sammy Watkins, uh, doing a couple draft picks on the offense side of the ball, and then bringing in that you know left tackle and Whitworth and a new coach, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, we've got a really good quarterback. So it was the pieces around him that's been huge, but wow, it's really nice to know that we – did not flop on a number one pick. We traded a lot for it, so it's good to know that we it paid off right. Yeah, it sounds like the Los Angeles, you don't have a whole lot of patience because everybody might sound like, oh, it's been a long time. And let me just explain to people what a long time is. Uh, Houston is still waiting to go to their first Super Bowl as an NFL team, both with the Oilers and with the, the Texans. So it's been a good, I don't know, uh, 50 years wait. I'm trying to remember which Super Bowl we're at, but... Yeah, I, I know Los Angeles. They're a little bit more impatient. It's it, it's going to take a, uh, <laughs> a it's going to take a, a lot more panic after a year or something like that. And Houston fans are just like, uh, here here we go again. It's, we're not the Browns fans, but it's 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 not too far off the way it's been. You're right there, and you know what? There's not a lot of sympathy out here in L.A. for Houston fans right now, especially after that World Series. So you're not going to get much sympathy on this side. You guys just uh, you know, knocked off the Dodgers and crushed a lot of people. It was fun to watch as a baseball fan. I talked to you off air. I'm from the Midwest, so I'm a Chicago Cubs fan, and we finally got to you know pop that champagne bottle last year. But um, you know, everyone I feel like I've heard around town here is – 
you know, they're going to take revenge, whether it's on your football team or whatnot. So we're excited for this game this week. Um, but it's been a long time. You're right. That, that franchise hasn't seen one in a while. So hopefully when you get your quarterback healthy again, Watkins, uh, you know, that that might be in your near future. Yeah, absolutely. And with Jeff Fisher, Jeff, Jeff Fisher and, you know, his his coaching style and you compare that to uh, Sean McVay, um, you know, obviously he has them winning right now at this time. Comparing contrast between the two, do you think that Jeff is just an old soul and just didn't know how to relate to the guys? Or what do you think um, as far as what has led to this transition to uh, a very much of a winnable winning team? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, you know, the thing is, you know, Jeff Fisher wasn't all too of a bad guy. Um, and he seemed to kind of relate with the players and they seemed to like him. But there was that, you know, we got to watch some of that through Hard Knocks. who kind of gave us that look behind the scenes there. Um, but they just didn't have that, you know, we're going to go that extra mile for you. You could tell that just in the little things, the discipline plays, you know, our penalties were just under Jeff Fisher were, uh, I think, in top five of the NFL for every year that he coached. He was in the top five of penalties, um, you know, not finishing ball games, losing to teams that you should beat. And then you would beat a team you probably shouldn't have. So there was just no consistency as far as what this team would do to get behind the coach in that sense. And then offensively, um, you know, McVay has come in here and just the, I mean, last week, I don't know if you guys saw it, but they ran about a three yard hitch uh, with Cooper cup. And then he caught it and then did a little shovel pass backward pitch to Tavon Austin. And he went around the corner for like eight yards. And you're thinking like, where the heck is that come from? And who calls that? And it's just the creative mind of, of Sean McVay. So it's a little bit of, of the culture that McVay has brought. And he, and he shows it firsthand. You know, he takes the blame for things. He's showing up early. He's bringing energy to every practice. And then, you know, in the play calling and, and setting his players up for success. And it doesn't hurt when you add one of the best tackles, uh, left tackles in the game to your system and, and a deep threat like Sammy Watkins. So altogether, a lot of moving pieces that brought this team to a, a different level this year. But for us L.A. fans, how fast it's happened has just been amazing to watch. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You made reference to uh, actually Jeff Fisher and uh, just the fact that you got a couple of Oilers connections. It's pretty funny because Fisher, of course, started off with the Houston Oilers back in 1995, his first head coaching job, uh, and he was the head coach before they left. But the other coach that you've got out there that that's making a little hay is the defensive coordinator, Wade Phillips. And we, of course, know him with the Texans. And he started off way, way back in the day with the Oilers. Uh, it was under his dad, Bum, here back in the Levy of Blue era. What has he been like and, and what has he done to that defense? Oh, man, he's just it's so crazy that the, the combination of the youth of Sean McVay and then, you know, the age 
and wisdom of Wade Phillips has just been a, a really good mix for this team because um, you guys know Wade's a fun guy. You know, he's kind of quirky. He's got that funny humor to him. But at the same time, the players respect everything that's coming out of his mouth. And, and the way that he's uh, adjusted this defense to utilize the players he has and, and seeing some of these guys like Alec Ogletree, uh, who we talked about on our last show, about how he's become this amazing blitzing linebacker and putting pressure on the quarterback. It's something he's done well over his career, but was never really utilized as much this uh, as, as they are this year. So seeing those kind of quirks that he's added to an already really good defense uh, has been fun to watch. And, and you guys know down there in Houston, I think we actually reunited an old connection from Houston with Connor Barwin and Wade Phillips. So just to get yeah. some of his old pieces involved and he brought over uh, Kayvon Webster from his Bronco days. So he's brought some people that he really likes and trusts and it shows that defense is finally starting to come into its own right now. Oh, talk about the, uh, the, I don't know if you've been to any games uh, this season, but uh, can you talk about if you're, if you've talked with someone about the experience it is over at the Coliseum? I mean, you know, I, I know they may not be selling out every game, but I know that attendance is probably increasing because they're winning. Uh, what's the experience like now that, you know, LA has a football team, not only one, but two, but I'm pretty sure they're more behind the Rams than anything because the Chargers are just <laughs> terrible with their uh, attendance. Uh, do you have any insight on that? Definitely. And you know, it's that first to market thing that the Chargers came here, they were second and it was just, you know, San Diego so close. There's so much hate involved with them moving up and LA says they don't want them and San Diego's mad they left. So uh, they put themselves in a sticky situation. But as far as Rams and, you know, game day experience, it's fun. You know, that the old Coliseum, it's not the the nicest stadium. But um, I've gone to a couple games. I went last year, their opening game here versus the Seahawks. It was packed almost 90,000. We haven't seen a crowd like that really since. Um, but when it was rocking, it was rocking. Uh, I went to a game earlier this year, the opening game. Uh, saw a big win against, uh, you know, one of your division opponents, the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, I think we're getting there. We're excited to see what this week is going to look like. Obviously, it would have been a little bit, well, it would have been a lot better matchup if we still had Watson involved in this. But um, I still think kind of hearing from around that the stadium's going to fill up a lot more. It holds close to 90 plus thousand. So it's a tough stadium to fill, especially in a temporary market right there. Um, but we're excited. I think it's really as this team starts picking up, you guys mentioned earlier, LA is all about you know, showing a winning team. We're finally doing that. We went on this crazy road trip. Uh, you know, we've won five games in a row, bringing it back to the Coliseum. Uh, me and my co-host James, who we do um, Rams podcast with, we're talking about that the other day. We're really excited ourselves to see what it's like uh, game day this week and moving forward because we've got a lot of home games coming up against a lot of really good teams. So we expect to fill that thing out. And really, you know, the, the first thing is you ask for a good product to be on the field. So they've produced that. Now the fans got to do their part and show up and cheer behind them. So we're, we're excited to see what this Sunday is going to bring. What's the sports talk radio uh, experience in, in Los Angeles? Because, you know, the Lakers, that is the number one team from what I understand. The Dodgers are number two. Where are the Rams? Are people starting to call up and, and uh, discuss the Rams? Are, are, they, are they gaining some momentum? Are, can they move in on the Lakers a little bit right now with the Lakers down the way they are? Yeah, I think you're going to have to really win some playoff games and you know maybe bring home a Super Bowl trophy before you start taking over on the Lakers. Um, but I will say that they're really you know slowly moving up that notch. I mean, I think at the beginning when they first came out here, there was excitement about them, but I still almost would rank UFC football 
over them at that point. But now uh, the momentum's really building. People are starting to buy in. We've had the nice thing about that is we had this like base of fans that were, you know, fans from 20 plus years ago that were excited to have their team back. So they're coming out of the woodworks and being kind of that base to the to the fan base out here. And then a lot of the new fans like me, you know, I, since since they moved out here, I've really gotten on board and really excited about them. So you're starting to see more people start to pay attention to them. Sports radio out here, though, still, I think this was the first day today is when over here we've got on ESPN, we've got Keyshawn Johnson and LZ Granderson and some of those guys. And we finally cracked into their top 10 of NFL teams. They've been a little questionable of us. So I think the L.A. sports market is still kind of, you know, cautious to give them too much. But I can, you can feel the momentum building, and a couple more big wins against these teams coming up is sure going to help. Who's your favorite player currently right now at this moment? That's a great question. You know, me and, me and James, the co-host, we go back and forth on this all the time. Uh, Cooper Cup is just a fun guy. It's hard not to like him. He's a rookie. He seems to be doing the right things. He has, you know, the one-drop pass against Seattle, which would have locked up a win for us. Uh, you know, he dropped, but we, there's so much high expectations there. So Cooper cups, a bunch of fun. Uh, I'm a big Alec Ogletree fan, uh, just his leadership. And, and he, you always get a lot of these clips that they show, uh, pregame and, and he hypes me up at Sunday morning at 10 AM. I'm jumping around my house, getting ready for the game. So, um, he's a big fan. That's the thing that's fun about this team. There's a lot of, uh, guys that you can kind of get behind cause they, the, the effort and energy that they put into it. They all take after their coach. So you, you kind of find yourself going, oh, he's my favorite. And then, no, no, you know what? He's kind of my favorite. So it's been fun watching uh, this team and, and, and the youth of it. I think they're the second or third youngest team in the league. So that's exciting as well. Notice we don't want to talk too much about the Texans right now. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was waiting for a transition here because I've got a list of questions I want to get to you guys about because, um, and maybe that's the good point there because, you know, I was watching you guys closely, you know, last week because it was kind of scouting for coming up. And, you know, I just mentioned I was at that Indianapolis Colts game uh, early in the year for us, which we, you know, dominated from the beginning. They were still trying to figure out their quarterback situation, Indianapolis, which I still think they are. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, um, you know, has come into that starter there. But watching him, you know, it's kind of perked my eyes up because Jared Goff here has really turned the corner this season and, you know, coming off of a, you know, 300 plus yard game, four touchdowns. And, you know, the, the Texans defense, who was once kind of this scary thing, obviously some injuries and whatnot, but Jacoby Brissett put up 308 yards and two touchdowns and T.Y. went for, uh, you know, 175 and two touchdowns. Thank you to my fantasy team there. He helped me out. But, um, you know, what are you guys looking at this week as you're looking at, you know, a, a much improved quarterback of Jared Goff, who I would probably put over Jacoby Brissett uh, and this offense who leads the league in the NFL. What are you guys going to do to kind of try to, you know, put a clamp on that? Good question. Brian, do you got an idea? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we just have to keep, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that uh, because we didn't do it much last game against Jacoby Brissett, we need to start putting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was pressured 26.5% of the time uh, last week, according to pro football focus. So, you know, if, if you're going to, you need to send some guys out there to, you know, as far as pressure and put it on Jared Goff to make a decision. He's still, 
you know, young and he can still mess up and make bad decisions. We need to force him uh, to go out there and make bad decisions. But then again, when you have guys that are going in and rushing, do you lose that on what you're giving up when those guys come in to rush? Because you guys have so many weapons. Yeah, I, I just honestly don't see how it's going to happen because, you know, he really is a formidable quarterback, and I'm glad you guys got him. Um, I, I'm glad we have number four, but because he's not there, yeah, again, it's just one of those things where I'm still trying to figure out how, how we're going to put up points against you guys. You put up 51 last week. Brian said that that's the that's the issue right there, though. I mean, he just explained it, putting pressure on the quarterback. You lose J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless in the first drive against the Kansas City Chiefs, and you feel like there went the the pass rush that you were going to have this season. Yeah. I mean, Clowney is 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 good, but you know he needs somebody to take the pressure off of him. And those three right. guys working in in complement of each other were supposed to be the the pass rush and a huge part of this defense. Now, uh, they they weren't exactly a great defense when those two guys went down. They, they weren't the defense that we saw last year for whatever reason. And we're starting to wonder, uh, there's question marks now with Mike Vrabel taking over as defensive coordinator for Romeo Cornell. They moved kind of Romeo Cornell into assistant coach and he's slowly moving uh, towards the, uh, you know, the ring and the retirement ceremony and the whole thing. But Vrabel uh, just doesn't look the same as, as Romeo Cornell. And, and of course, now he just doesn't have the weapons and the guys to to do stuff with anymore. Uh, they've improved a little bit in the linebacking core. They have a couple of rookies that have played well. One of them's hurt now, though, too, Dylan Cole. But uh, you look at uh, the rest of the defense and outside of Clowney, you, you, you can't get pressure on the quarterback with anybody consistently. And the secondary has just been a disaster all year. And so... We expect Jared Goff or any decent quarterback to have a good day on this secondary. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, I don't think is, is going to remind anybody of uh, Peyton Manning, but, you know, he had 300-plus yards and, you know, big plays all over the place with uh, T.Y. Hilton, and, and, and you just can't, you can't have that in the NFL, and, and that's the problem with the defense. It's just they, they can't get a pass rush these days, and the secondary's got some holes too. Yeah, and that was one of our weak spots last year was our offensive line. It was, you know, Jared Goff was on his back for the last six, seven games that he performed in. Uh, but we got that fixed, and you guys talked about the key to the game is really pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, we're coming off a game where we shut down JPP and the Giants on that front line, didn't give up a sack. Um, and, you know, we've got Whitworth on that left side who I think has only given up about three or four quarterback pressures all year long. Um, so that side is locked up and solid. So it's going to have to see some creativity uh, from Vrabel. And you mentioned it there, kind of getting into that role. He's going to have to get creative and try to find ways to get pressure on Jared Goff. But not many teams have figured out how to do that yet, which is nice because, like you said, if you get time back there to throw, um, you know, usually things work out for you. And I was listening to your guys' episode and kind of flip it to the other side of the ball. You talked about uh, Tom Savage, I think, was about 2.7 seconds where he was holding the ball, um, and that led to some pressure on him. And, you know, we're used to Aaron Donald, who breaks through the line in about 0.3 seconds. So I hope that <laughs> Tom can figure that out and get rid of the ball because he's going to be on the ground a lot if he holds it for 2.7 seconds against this defensive line. But I think that's where this game is won and lost, is really that offensive-defensive line because if we're allowed to move the football down the field – you know, you guys are in big trouble. And, you know, if you guys can, you know, really work the run game, which I think is going to be huge for you because Tom Savage needs a little help 
uh, there, but kind of looking at LeVar Miller, I don't think he's broken over 75 yards in the eight games this year. But the, if there's one weak spot of that defense for the Rams, it's been the run game at times. So, um, you know, how do you guys see that going? Do you think we're going to entrust and Savage to move down the field? Or are you guys going to really try to pound that run game early? That will, in fact, be the first play. Yeah, it won't be a pass play. It's going to be a run play. And uh, when you guys, when we start running down the field, you know, I would try to, to see if we can get it passed uh, on the other side uh, where Quinn is uh, located, uh, Robert Quinn. Let's see if we can go to the left and maybe see if we could try to challenge uh, Connor Barwin as well. You know, we know how he's played, you know, when he was with the Texans. He hasn't played all that great uh, as of late, but uh yeah, I would say that's our only hope of getting this, getting the running game going. Or else, you know, if we try to pass it, you just you guys have so many weapons that can take it, take that away, take the passing game away. And we have the deep threats, but we just don't have a guy that can make things happen. And if Tom can't get the ball out, make a quick decision, then what's the point? I mean, let's just do handoffs for the whole game. Yeah, the one thing that I think people might not understand around the country, if you haven't just seen Deshaun Watson, is not just the effect that he's had on the Texans passing game, but the running game, they were, uh, I, they were one of the best teams in the league as far as rushing offense per game, run yards per game. And, and the, the reason is Deshaun Watson was doing a lot of that himself. And when yeah, he wasn't, right. uh, he was making holes for the running backs because you had to account for him. They were, they're doing, they were doing straight up read option. That stuff that you see in college if you haven't yeah. seen the Texans with Deshaun Watson, and, and so people, people got a glimpse of, of them when they played against the Chiefs. Uh, when they played the Bengals earlier in the season on national television, that wasn't the offense that you saw a week later and, and ever since then. They've really incorporated everything that Deshaun Watson did well. So when the Texans lost Deshaun Watson, not only did they lose their this incredible quarterback, he's a guy that's, you know, Richard Sherman's calling – uh, somebody that's going to be in the top five in this league and is going to be mentioned with one of the best quarterbacks. But they also lost uh, they also lost the entire offense that they were doing. They had to totally change back to what Tom Savage uh, can run because he doesn't have those kind of wheels. And it's interesting because, you know, Tuesday they pick up Josh Johnson, who's that athletic quarterback. And, of course, the conversation here, like it is around a lot of the league, is, well, hey, you lose a quarterback. What about this guy, Colin Kaepernick, who can do all of the same stuff Physically, at least he's got those physical tools that uh, Deshaun Watson has. Now, mentally, maybe he, he might not be Deshaun Watson. Maybe his accuracy isn't there. Maybe he wouldn't be the same quarterback, but at least he could run the same offense. And, and maybe he could you know, get, give you a little bit more than Tom Savage can give right now. And Tom Savage, he, he just, for whatever reason, it's just not clicking. And I don't know what we were watching with Tom Savage on Sunday because we saw him a couple of games last year. We talked about this. In yeah. our show, the last couple of games, me and Brian, we've seen him before. It's never been this bad. He couldn't keep the ball in bounds. Right. If, you know, it was terrible. You talked about it. You know, Tom Savage, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, didn't he start a playoff game recently? I mean, for the, for the Texans or, he, you know, he had his moments where he looked like a, you know, a solid quarterback for you guys and was, you know, going into this season. Obviously, he started. Um, so there was some potential there. But you're right. When they switched over, they switched their whole offense. And when that injury happened, it was like, well, throw that playbook out and let's start from scratch here. Um, and Savage has really looked like that. You know, I mean, it's it's been kind of rough to watch last week. He looked just out of rhythm. And you talked about them picking up John uh, Josh Johnson. Uh, I'm curious, him being basically brand new to the team, you know, as of today, 
how long does it take before they start to look to give him some playing time or maybe look at Colin Kaepernick and bring him in? I mean, we haven't seen Colin in a, in a uniform running around in a long time, so not sure what he really brings. And, you know, especially you guys obviously probably talked about it and discussed it, but the owner and the comments that were made there. I mean, I think a lot of people around the country are looking over at Houston, you know, with their cup of tea, just waiting to see what happens and, and kind of what unfolds over there because you do have a lot of question marks at that quarterback, um, you know, position. And my, my curiosity is how long does Tom Savage have before they look a different direction this season? It won't be long. I mean, because everybody is under pressure to to, to win games. I mean, we are right there in the thick of it in our division. I mean, we're only two games back, and you can still make a push to make these playoffs because of this. If we were, you know, multiple games behind, then the narrative changes. You know, we you may be doing something different. But we don't have a first or a second round pick as a result to unload Brock Osweiler and also uh, to attain, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson. So since uh, we, we don't have those picks, it's just best to go and try to win as many games as you can. And Colin Kaepernick, I strongly feel, is that guy that's going to be able to at least give us a chance to do that. Now, we don't know for sure if he's going to be the answer, but you have to go out there and make an effort to get the best guy you can to run this offense that made us so great out there on the field. I mean, we had elevated to the number one offense under Deshaun Watts' tutelage, and why not take a chance? But you know why? It's the owner. You know, he, he would probably be leery about bringing a guy in here like that of how the crowd would feel. But but the fans, you know, fans have opinions, but ultimately this is a business, and it's a business of winning. You need to go out there and win these games right. because there is a lot of money that's vested. you got sponsors, you know, and putting their money into this on a winning product. You don't want to put your name behind a product that is shoddy. You want a winning product out on the field. And I've debated this to no end about the Kaepernick and everything just on different message boards, Facebook and whatnot. And I, I drive home this fact. You do not give up on a season whenever you have a shot like this. And that's just uh, that's only uh, optimism, but that's just me. Yeah, Brian kind of lives in this sort of Mary Poppins world. Sometimes we got to warn people that are listening <laughs> to the, from this from a Lockdown Rams perspective and, and bear because – uh, I, I joke with him about this, but he could talk about it all he wants to. This is Bob McNair. I watched the guy own this team from day one. And Bob McNair, uh, he doesn't care about having guys in that, that he doesn't feel like are good character people. And, and, and this situation, we know what he is politically. You know, this is a guy that uh, just do- doesn't believe in any of that stuff. He doesn't like distractions. He doesn't like something the, the circus that Colin Kaepernick would bring. And he values that more than he would value. I, I, I think he's just perfectly willing to throw the season. And they're obviously willing to throw the season. I mean, I think O'Brien paid lip service in the, in the Monday press conference about it, saying that, they, that they've looked at uh, Colin Kaepernick. I don't know in what world Josh Johnson has shown more than Colin Kaepernick as an NFL quarterback in the time that those two guys have been, the league, been in the league. I mean, Colin Kaepernick, you know, he, he obviously – he had his struggles after he went to a Super Bowl, but at least he took a team to a Super Bowl. At least he's done that. I mean, what what the hell has Josh Johnson ever done? He start 
Look, Kaepernick has started games in the NFL. He's been a starting quarterback. In the meantime, you've got guys like, you know, uh, TJ Yates. And, you know, he, he's been sort of our Bengals killer here. Uh, people in the, if the Rams don't know, TJ Yates always seems to win these big games against the, the Bengals. He won a playoff game against the Bengals, the, the Texans' first one in, in their history. Uh, he, he's won a, a game to win the division against the Bengals that same season. So, uh, you know, he's, he's done some things with the, with the Texans, but it's usually – uh, more or less the defense that's carried him along the way. It's not T.J. Yates going out there and exactly winning you and carrying you through games. And and the thing with Colin Kaepernick is you, we could talk about it till we're blue in the face. It's just never going to happen, Bear. It's just not. I mean, that's Bob McNair. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, you know, somewhere out there, you know, Romo just turned his uh, phone from vibrate all the way to loud and he's warming up and he's getting his bank account information ready. And uh, I don't think, you know, I think you think that might be an option. I know before he retired, there was talks about him going over to the Texans uh, before all this Brock Osweiler movement happened and all this. So he's another guy that I keep an eye out for. I think they mentioned something to him on a, on one of his uh, games that he was doing and he kind of referenced that he's not really fully committed to being retired yet so I was kind of waiting for that news to kind of kick back in the dirt and see what that was going to happen but I don't think uh, Tom Savage or Josh Johnson is your answer this year um, and as Brian was mentioning you know this season's not over yet you guys are three and five uh, Jags and Titans are five and three but you guys handled the Titans pretty well um, Jags kind of beat you guys up, but this division is still up for grabs if they can get a couple wins and rattle off some division wins and maybe fill in a quarterback there. But um, I don't think it starts this week here in LA. And you know, I'd love to get your guys' take. We can talk a little bit more about this matchup and what you expect. Maybe we can go around the horn and do a, a game prediction with some scores and, and how you think it's going to go. Yeah, the one thing that you said there is they. They handled the Titans. That was all Deshaun Watson, and they and they got. Well, killed. there you go. You're right. <laughs> and they yeah. got killed by the Jags, and that was with Tom Savage. Pretty much uh, the first half was a d- <laughs> disaster when when he started and and put him in a huge hole. Deshaun threw a touchdown in the second half, but you know he's the first time he'd ever played quarterback in the NFL, and he had to step into a, a situation there. And then they they like I said they they were running a different offense for Tom Savage, which they changed all around once Deshaun got going maybe by his third week against the the Patriots when they they really made that game interesting and, and should have won that game but you you look at the situation now and there's no way they're going to catch up and win the division I mean it just can't look the Jags have one of the easiest I think it might be the second or third easiest might, might even be easier than that schedule in the NFL left to go and and it's just you look at the Texans schedule uh, the Rams isn't the only tough game that they've got. Uh, the, some of the couple of the other teams, the 49ers got a little bit tougher. They faced the Steelers. Uh, they've got some difficult games coming up on the schedule. And you've got two teams ahead of you. And Mariota's got a way better quarterback situation, obviously. And, and, and the Jaguars, you, you, we can trash Blake Bortles all we want to, but they've got everything else straightened up there. And uh, they're doing so well that they can just uh, decide to, you know, tell Leonard Fournette you're not playing for team rules and it, it doesn't make a difference they don't care anymore that's right and then and then as with the Tony Romo thing of course uh I, I love that you mentioned that that would be great but it looks like he's having a lot of fun out there in the booth uh, with CBS I don't think he's going anywhere he's going to stay right there uh, in that booth but I do want to ask you this question um you, you know in terms of what you, you what we should do uh, if if we're going to attack 
a cornerback? Should we be attacking Tremaine Johnson if we want to really get the pass game going? Because he hasn't been great lately, but what do you think about that? You know, he hasn't been great lately, but the thing about it is he's coming off a great game. You know, he finally cracked out and had another uh, interception, uh, which was big for him, and he hadn't even talked about it after the game. It was long overdue. And the thing about players like Tremaine is they build off that confidence. Uh, We saw it last year when he was a little banged up and he wasn't playing so well. He kind of just shut down a little bit. But uh, he's a scary guy when he starts to build some confidence because it's it's only two years ago that he had, I think, seven interceptions and was second in the league uh, in that category and was just all over the field. And that's kind of what started a lot of this uh, franchise tagging because they didn't really want to know if they – they weren't really sure if they wanted to give him that big money yet, but they didn't want to let him walk. And we've done it two years in a row. He's playing again on a franchise tag, so he's got a lot to prove. Um, I don't know if that's the direction you really want to go, but that's the tough thing about our secondary right now is we are a very, very healthy team. You guys are talking about, you know, obviously uh, the Texans have been pretty banged up. I think Cody Davis is the only injured player we have. He's a safety, but we've got uh, LaMarcus Joyner who's at that position. Uh, We've got a rookie who's playing amazing back there. Um, Kayvon Webster, who I mentioned earlier, is at the other cornerback position who played under Wade Phillips in Denver. Uh, We've got a lot of depth in the secondary, uh, so it's going to be tough. If you're going to pick on someone, uh, you better do it early and you better create some space because these guys are flying to the ball. Uh, I mentioned it. One of the spaces that we do have that we haven't, you know, dominated consistently has been that run game. So you're going to want to really try to get some ball control, run the ball, work the play action. I think that's probably your best chance to succeed. But then again, you got Aaron Donald who, just blows up plays left and right and really creates space for a lot of other people. So you can see this team really starting to come together. The run game was something that we really struggled with early in the season. Um, But after that Leonard Fournette big run, which we gave up in Jacksonville a few weeks ago, we really have locked it down as far as giving up those big plays. So um, early in the game, you got to take advantage early because that's been one other, uh, you know, kind of knock on us is, we haven't come out of the gate storming yet um, as far as on, on the rush defense. So when you get the ball in that first possession, you got to make something happen because they seem to really click into it after that. But um, Tremaine Johnson, you know, feel free to try him, but I'd like to see him add to that interception total. Uh, he's a guy that's building in confidence right now. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked on Fancy Football with your Locked on Fancy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fancy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. Texans by 20. Brian, go ahead. <laughs> no, just... oh, oh no i you know as much as optimism i have no i don't see how we win this game it's just uh i would probably have you guys you know somewhere around 40 we might get two touchdowns we we might get two so 
you know, I'm, I'm going to call it right at around 40 to 14. Yeah, I, don't, I just can't see the Texans even coming close in this game. I, I, I expect the Rams to at least win by a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, uh, could be could be even a bigger blowout than that. Uh, the Texans right now, they're, they're just they have no confidence right now with Tom Savage at quarterback offensively. I don't know how they move the ball anywhere with Tom. And then defensively, uh, they've just got too many issues. I, I don't know what's going on defensively. That's harder to figure out, even without J.J. Watt and uh, and Whitney Merciless. Uh, there's some things that we just haven't liked from day one this season, uh, mostly, on the, mostly on the back end. It's been a back end issue with the Texans. And it's pretty much the same guys from last year. They did lose Boye. That was a huge loss, but it, it's beyond him. It's there. There just seems to be uh, some some disconnect between where guys are supposed to be. There, there, there's been way too many big plays and and guys that you know they haven't even been close to wide receivers at times. And that looked like the Texans' defense that we saw for the first decade of the team before Wade showed up here a few years ago. So, guys, you're right. You made some great points there, Robert, as you were talking about Boye, which was a huge loss for you guys. I think he went in the division over to Jacksonville, which even made that defense even more scary. But talking about a team that gives up a lot of defensive, uh, you know, talking about a defense that gives up a lot of big plays, you know, the Rams coming off the big game of multiple uh, huge plays down the field. I expect another big game from them. We have five games scoring over 30 points this year, three games scoring over 40 points. Uh, talking with my co-host here, as we always do predictions every week, we said, you know what, we almost need to start at 40 points and figure out if we should go down by a touchdown or up by two. So I think Brian was onto something when he picked 14 or 40 to 14. I think this is going to be a huge offensive day for Jared Goff at home. Uh, a tip to the cap to the crowd. Uh, we finally get to see them. They've been gone for a long time on this road trip. So I expect, you know, a big game from our offense. Uh, our defense, I really think, is going to kind of tee off on Savage. I'll be surprised if we don't get to see a little bit of Josh Johnson at the very end of the game because this game might be that far out of hand. Um, you mentioned it in your last episode, Tom Savage holding onto the ball for 2.7 seconds. Uh, he better learn how to drop that by two seconds or else he's going to be having Aaron Donald on top of him all day. So I expect oh. a big win. I'm going to say 42 and I think I'll give you guys 17 because you'll probably get some late points there um, to entertain the crowd late at the Coliseum. But I think this is going to be a big one-sided affair. Unfortunately, I really had this game almost dead even when you guys had Deshaun healthy and playing the way he was. It was going to be this exciting matchup for everyone here in L.A. and likewise out there in Houston. But that's not the case. So I think this thing swings big time to the L.A. side. But you know what? It's the NFL, and that's why you play on Sundays. Why don't you think people believe in the Rams at this point? I mean, we're, we're to the point in the season where you, you would think uh, this is not a fluke anymore, and I, I believe Vegas still has the odds with you and the Seahawks, equal odds to win that division, and I, I just don't see it. I mean, to me, if, I'm a, if I have money to put on this one, and you know, our, our sponsors, my bookie, so you could go over there, but I'd put that money on the Rams. Yeah, you know, I think there's just this whole hesitant thing out here in L.A. and even on the national scene is just 
no one really is buying that this can happen so fast, you know, and new coach, he's, you know, he's 31 years old, you know, and, and uh, just the way that there were so many questions about Jared Goff, everyone's just waiting for them to fall apart at this point. And then they look at the record, you know, um, you know, a lot of the teams that we've beaten at this point kind of have struggled, uh, you know, our win against the Colts people, you know, trashed our win against the Cardinals people trashed. We beat the giants. So what, uh, the Niners, who cares, right? So we're getting to this point in the season, which, you know, us as fans and people doing this podcast, we've been waiting for because we finally get to get, you know, see some good teams coming up in the schedule. Um, you know, we got the Saints, the Eagles, uh, Vikings on the road. We've got a lot of, and we got to go up to Seattle. And, and I think until you beat Seattle and take that division and at the end of the year, I think that's when you start to gain respect because most people out here say, you know, it's Seattle. They're the the reigning champs for multiple years. And until you knock them off, they're on the top. So I'm with you. I mean, I'm putting my money on my bookie every week on these Rams and making, you know, a few bucks. So uh, I believe in them in the long run. And, you know, I can't wait for a lot of people to come full circle and, and, and say, you know what? You were right. You were right, Bear. Yeah, it, it, to me, the, the Texans, I think you can put the headstone on them and, and, and put them in the, in, the, in the funeral column as far as this season goes because – I think after this one, they're three and six. And, you know, th- that means they'd have to make some incredible run. And, and who's going to make that kind of run? Tom Savage. Uh, we're talking about Josh Johnson. Who's the guy that's going to make the run from there on out? And, yeah, the Rams, to me, you know, when you have a quarterback, you know, you say this again and again in the NFL. If you got a quarterback, once you get into the playoffs, all bets are off. And that that was our feeling here. We thought – Hey, we finally got a quarterback, Deshaun Watson. You know, me and Brian talked about this. We thought it, it took a lot of our chances away to make the Super Bowl when we lost J.J. and Whitney, but you still had Deshaun Watson, and you thought you get into a situation, in a playoff situation, with a clutch quarterback, and all bets are off. And in the NFL, if you got that great quarterback and he's healthy and ready to go uh, come January, uh, you can win it. And I, I think that if you look at the NFC right now, the Rams, with the way Jared Goff's playing uh, and the way you guys are playing, I, I, there's no reason why the Rams couldn't make a run at the Super Bowl. You know, it wasn't that long ago. It was just back in 99 uh, that they, they had this guy that uh, nobody had heard of. He was bagging groceries, and yep. they had a quarterback that went down, and, and, and he comes in, and, and Trent, Trent Dilford goes down, and uh, I mean, Trent Green goes down, and he comes in and, and takes the team all the way to the Super Bowl. And not that Jared Goff is, you know, just some nobody, but, you know, at the beginning of the season, nobody knew what was going to happen with Jared Goff. And now you look at the NFC and you look around the NFL and there's no Aaron Rodgers and uh, the NFC just doesn't, the the Cowboys maybe aren't exactly what we expected of them yet. And so uh, Seattle's had some struggles too. I mean, there's, there's a lot of question marks on the the rest of teams in the NFC. So I think the Rams could be good. They could be there when this is all said and done. Well, you can come on my show anytime you like with that attitude. We, we appreciate it around here, and we believe the same thing. We're heading to Minnesota, hopefully for the first time of two trips this year would be nice. And uh, I believe it. there's a lot of, uh, like you said, a lot of injuries and teams not really performing the way they should. So uh, it should open the door for a team like the Rams that are playing well, take a full advantage of that and come in. And it's kind of that. Um, you know, that young team that it's almost no situations too big because they're almost too young and too excited to think about it. And I think that's what Sean McVay will bring. So 
we're definitely has went from expectations of can we get over eight wins and pass that Jeff Fisher mark, and then now we're going okay, we're gonna fly by eight wins. Now let's get to the playoffs as the next one, and from there, can we make a run? Once you get in the playoffs, can you make a run? You know, we've seen multiple teams come in as a wild card and make it all the way to Super Bowl. So anything can happen, but you got a lot of believers, and and like I said. Uh, with all those compliments to the Rams, you guys are welcome on Lockdown Rams anytime. We're not going to root for you this week, but you know, good luck. The, good luck from from here on out. And yes. uh, we we are not sorry about the Astros whatsoever. Just to throw that out there at the end, we earned this one, baby. Yeah, they, they, they say earned history around here, and boy, yeah. we we earned it for sure. Uh, it, it was a, a hell of a ride, and uh, it, it, there's never another first one. And for the Astros. And this entire franchise, this city, uh, for the people out in Los Angeles, uh, you, you can't imagine what it's meant to this city and, and with everything that they've gone through. And to do it the first time and to do it with these these group of guys. And who knows, it could be L.A. and, and Houston back in the World Series next year. We could be seeing you guys again because lots of young talent between those two teams. And there's absolutely no reason those two teams wouldn't be back here the following year. So uh, that could be a fun little rivalry. It would be fun to have... Uh, the same two teams face off in the World Series a couple of years in, the, in a row. And hopefully, maybe next year, we could get a chance at least to, to, to have a quarterback and it's healthy all the way and, and, and maybe catch you guys in the Super Bowl, too. Yeah, right back at you. Best of luck the rest of the year. And uh, won't root for you this week, but pulling for the, for you guys in the city of Houston. It was really fun to watch that World Series uh, win for you guys. And remember, I'm a Cubs fan, so I don't want to see those Dodgers-Houston uh, rematch. Let's make it a Cubs-Houston next year and then we'll oh, the, the best of the best well, the best of the best will get it but we're you know at, at being here in LA I think if there's anyone they wanted to lose to it was good to see the city of Houston get to rejoice and celebrate and there was so fun to watch that parade and to see people in the buildings and uh, I know you probably saw that video that went viral of them throwing up the hat and just seeing just unity from the beginning to the end. It was really great. So congratulations on that win. And, and hopefully you guys can soak that up for a while because it, it may be ugly days for the rest of the season for Houston But uh, as far as yeah. football goes. But you've got a quarterback of the future, which I think is going to be a dangerous weapon moving forward. So I appreciate the time, guys. Locked on Nation. Uh, we enjoy doing these crossovers. Uh, so if you are a fan of the show, make sure to go check out Brian and Robert on uh, Locked on Texans and then me, Bear Motter, over here at Locked On Rams. Make sure to hit us up, both of us up on iTunes. Leave a review, give us some thumbs up, tell us you love us, enter your Twitter handle name. We talk about pro football focus, uh, all of us, multiple times. You can enter yourself a chance to win a pro football focus. Uh, subscription. It's a pretty awesome deal. You get lots of information. It helps you with your fantasy team. I actually need a little bit more help on my fantasy team. Uh, but you know what? It does what it does. So leave, her, leave us a review. We always appreciate it. Guys, thanks so much. And uh, we'll be on to hopefully talk again some point, uh, maybe next year or later on during the offseason. Awesome. It was a blast, Bear. Likewise. Well, that's it. You heard it, guys. All three of us picked a big win for the Rams this weekend at home at the Coliseum. Guys, get out there loud and proud. Fill that stadium. Let's show this team what we truly think of them. We're so excited that they're 6-2 and in top of the division. So let's act like a first-place team and fill that stadium. I think I looked today. Tickets are 40 bucks for a ticket to get in the game. So uh, if you're in the area and get down there, fill that stadium. I'm really excited for this Sunday. Uh, I'm actually thinking about heading down there myself. 
Sunday should be pretty good weather. Sounds like a perfect recipe for another big Rams victory. We're going to talk more about it this week. But until next time, Rams Nation, peace. Hey, Locked On listeners. You already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.